It's going to talk about how God provides messengers to represent him in this world. And every messenger that he has chosen was chosen for a season and a reason. And those two things always come together in God's perfect timing. And God has always provided someone to act as an intermediary for those of us on earth. The scriptures reveal the principles by which God judges us and therefore will remain to the end of the world. These scriptures mean something to us. They mean something to this world, and they were revealed intentionally. Uh, 50 years. I don't know if anybody uh, pays any attention to the Dove Awards, but the Dove Awards just celebrated their 50th anniversary a couple of months ago. Started in 1969, and the first Dove Award recipient for Songwriter of the Year was who? Heard it here. Bill Gaither. <coughs> 50 years ago, Bill Gaither and he and Gloria were at the first Dove Awards 50 years ago. And there are very few who have been to all 50 of the Dove Awards. So this year they celebrated, just a couple months ago here, uh, the, uh, the 50th anniversary of the Dove Awards. And they celebrated him as the song, the very first songwriter. From 1969, late 1969. Think about that for a minute. Uh, I had the real, real blessing in my life a couple of times to interview Bill Gaither. And one of the last interviews I had with him was I asked him about how you reinvent yourself to stay relevant in a very uh, fast-moving world and industry. And he had some terrific uh, answers to that. But the key to that is uh, when you begin to get... To where maybe you cannot do it. You surround yourself with the very best talent. Which is what he did. So I thought I would share this with you. This is the way that they kind of celebrated his 50th anniversary at the recent Dove Awards. It's kind of neat.
So you think he's still relevant? You know, they, I think they forgot the best song that he ever wrote in that little trilogy. I just heard the trumpet sound, and now his face I see. The Deuteronomy chapter 18. I always marvel. You know I do. I marvel at the fact that our Sunday school lesson was written two years ago, basically, for this particular Sunday. And then we get words like this in my material and it says this. It's not easy to be an envoy, a person who represents another. An ambassador represents his or her government and can be recalled at any time. A diplomat must be careful and tactful since saying the wrong thing could provoke an international crisis. of a corporation sends out an envoy to negotiate a deal, that envoy must represent the company's interests, and they must have the confidence to be able to do so, to know that when they pull the trigger on a deal, that it will be backed up back home. An envoy's purpose is to represent the government or company for which or from which he or she came. And who they represent, and they must represent it strongly. Being a prophet is even more difficult. Think about the prophets through the ages. The context for our, uh, our Bible study passage today is quite large. In fact, if you were to kind of boil it all down, a lot of what pours into today's lesson can be found from anywhere between the 12th chapter of Deuteronomy and the end of the 26th chapter of Deuteronomy. There's a whole lot going on in there. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about uh, the previous section of Scripture, Deuteronomy 5 through 11, where there was this general set of exhortations from Moses to those in uh, Israel, encouraging them to remain faithful to God and to learn and obey His commands. Stand strong in those situations. Moses was writing this in the fourth season of his life. He was on the back nine in life, as it were. And in the passage that we're looking at today, we have commands that are uh, definitely more specific Instructing the Israelites about a wide range of topics. In fact, some of the particular topics are as follows. And this is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. But in chapter 12, there is instruction about uh, how the central sanctuary should be aligned and how uh, worship should uh, uh, take place. They deal with apostates in chapter 13. There are dietary rules and restrictions that are explained in chapter 14. Uh, the three annual pilgrim pilgrimages are uh, certainly laid out for them in chapter 16. That's important for them as Jews. Rules for kings, criminal laws, laws about conducting a war, dealing with women who have been taken captive in war, the respect for property rights of other people, how to deal with sexual misconduct, money loaned at interest, marriage and divorce, charity toward widows, orphans, and resident aliens, and a man's duty toward the widow of his deceased brother. Those topics are all encompassed in this gigantic passage of Scripture. But today we're going to be looking at Moses ending his life. Oh, there was an old song that I remember when I was a kid called When October Goes. Does anybody remember that song? 
It's talking about that season in your life when your October has ended and you're down the last stretch of life. And that's where Moses is and he realizes it. And so he is tidying up business. He is making sure that instructions are given. And so De Deuteronomy instructs Israel how to be a holy and healthy society so that in their behavior and social structure, they're on a good, strong, solid base and they may honor God on a daily basis. Not just once a week at worship. And in this week's focal passage, the issue is a prophetic successor to Moses. Who is that going to be? What was that going to look like? And when? what's the timeline on something like that? And Moses begins to um, discuss the need, picking up in the 15th verse of chapter uh, 18. He discusses the need and exactly what the people are going to uh, require after he has gone on his way and is enjoying his heavenly reward. So if somebody would be kind enough, let's see, let's put uh, 15, 16, and 17 together in one little quiet. Chapter 18, 15, 16, and 17. Anyone of strong voice this morning? Dolores, are you of strong voice this morning? Thank you, Dolores. Verse 15 says that God will raise up for, for, for you a prophet like me among you from your brothers. It's pretty reassuring from Moses. Verse 16 says that this is what the people requested at Mount Sinai. It's called Horeb, but it's the same thing, Mount Sinai. And he says, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly. At the time the people requested an intermediary, they had just arrived at Mount Sinai, and the mountain was burning, and it was shaking, and it was rumbling, and it was tumbling, and they could see flashes of lightning, and they were afraid. They were terrified. For they knew that, uh, uh, that they should not approach God in this situation, and that God was at the center of all of this fury on the mountain. And here in Deuteronomy, Moses was saying that their request for someone to stand between them and God would be fulfilled. An intermediary, a prophet, would be raised up among the people, and he would be as strong as Moses. And they realized that God was a burning fire, and that his holiness could consume them. And they needed someone to stand between them and God. And in response to that request... And a frightened and terrified request it was, Moses declared that God would raise up a prophet like himself. But who was this prophet? When would this prophet come? In one sense, every member of the whole company of prophets down through the ages fulfilled this promise. And you think about the, prom, uh, the, the prophets that uh, we know of and we think of. We think of Samuel and Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the others down to John the Baptist spoke the word of God for the people and stood between God and the people praying for them and seeking to uh, turn aside the punishment that they deserved. That's basically what a prophet was. And Samuel said to the Israelites in 1 Samuel, he says, 
Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in good and the right way. That's important for these people. Moses was going to leave them soon, and they felt exposed, and they needed somebody to be an intermediary. On the other hand, to truly be a prophet like Moses was is a very special thing. If we look at other passages like Numbers chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, it says, And God said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Moses and God had a special relationship. You think about Moses. Moses was with not, not without flaw. He was not without sin. But he had a special connection with God. In fact, it says that Moses did not receive his uh, messages in riddles. You know, through history, there were times, even including down to John the Baptist, when they were slightly confused by Jesus' ministry, by some of the uh, messages that they were given. And Moses does not appear to struggle from that. He and God had a mano a mano, a voice-to-voice, man-to-man relationship. And he often, as a prophet, got the messages from God in an unlimited way. Sometimes the other prophets got messages in a limited way. In fact, you think about John the Baptist in Matthew 11, it says this. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Even John the Baptist had confusion about whether Jesus was the Messiah. Often these revelations came to them in the forms of dreams and visions. And it took them a while of searching to be able to interpret what the messages were was that you can bet is probably why it came to them in a bit of a riddle god wanted them to dig deeper to learn exactly what it was and that way they would be a stronger prophet standing between god and the people let's let our eyes drop down here for a minute to verses 18 through 19 and we're going to hear about the provision of god somebody have those for us thank you Thank you. Okay, so as you, as you break this open here, we see that there are three specific attributes, three specific qualities of a coming prophet like Moses, and then there is a fourth attribute. So there are three qualities and a fourth attribute. First of all, the prophet would be of the Israelite people. He would be from among their people group. This was important to them. He would not be a foreigner. And the verse says, I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers. Israel alone had been entrusted with the word of God, and the messenger must be of that people. That's one attribute. Second, the prophet would receive messages from God that God put in his mouth. As with Moses, the authority of this prophet would be that his words were directly from God, and he was not speaking his own message. Thirdly, the prophet is going to be faithful. He is going to always proclaim the word of God. He is not going to insert his own words into the music. 
He is going to pro project only the words that God gives him and commands of him. That's pretty important for a prophet, wouldn't you think? That's where false prophets come in. When they insert words into the message and they aren't faithful to proclaim the message that God gives. Fourth, the people would suffer punishment if they did not heed what the prophet said. You ever remember or have you ever been part of that game where I go down here and I talk to Jack and I whisper something in his ear and then he whispers it to Cherry and on down the line and then we see what ends up coming out down here. A prophet must proclaim exactly what God tells him to proclaim. It's vitally important not to add words to the message. Listen to this. Isaiah 50 verses 4 through 11 is really similar to our passage. And I was uh, looking at this this morning and it, it, it's an amazing thing. And it says this. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I had not, I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Being a prophet, as Isaiah states in the 50th chapter, is not all sunshine and lollipops. These men had to stand in the gap, in the void, and take what came to them in a faithful way. Very important. Deuteronomy says that God will punish those who refuse to listen, and Isaiah gives encouragement to those who do listen. The passages between Isaiah and this passage in Deuteronomy are amazing because we're talking about the same thing, and that is a prophet who stands firm and does what God wants him to do. Jesus is like the prophets in that he is sent with a message and suffers for it, but he is unique in that he is the son of God. Moses had an amazing relationship with God, as stated in the scripture, that God spoke with him not in riddles, but directly. But Jesus has an even more important and special relationship with God. Jesus never had a difficult time translating what the messages were that he was to deliver here on earth. Okay, verse 20, we've got to keep moving. Uh, there's a test listed in verse 20. Somebody grab that for me. 18, verse 20. Thank you, Bruce. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. Okay, Bruce, that is very uh, important. A false prophet is to be put to death in this economy, in God's economy. Let, let's just let my eyes drift down here a little bit further to verses 21 and 22. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it. You need not be afraid of him. So if the prophecies come become true, it will spill out in the, uh, in the form of fruit. If not, it will not be manifested. It will not come to, come to pass. A false prophet could work wonders. A false prophet could make true predictions. Remember, in the day and age of the, uh, the apostles and the disciples who were in the miracle working business, 
on behalf of Jesus, there were magicians that were out there doing things that appeared to be magic. Walk down the street in Las Vegas and you'll see them today. They act as if what they are doing is magic. Uh, uh, Carrie and I had a boss at one time who was on the road as a young man with the original Harry Blackstone, the magician. Think about that. That guy was a legend, right? And uh, he told me one time, he said, uh, Harry Blackstone had told him there are really only like three total magic tricks. Everything falls under the exact three. You know, it's just smoke and mirror, you know, whatever they, they particular sleight of hand and all of those things. There are people in our world that are uh, addition up false prophecy in the form of magic. Yeah. And a false prophet, if found out, should have been punished severely. In fact, uh, scripture tells us, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So it sounds to me like we are going to be tested throughout time by false prophets. Preachers today proclaim God's word, but they are teachers of the Bible. They are not prophets. They are purveyors of, an, uh, of, the, of the message of God. If we run across anybody who begins to add words to the scripture, they are a false prophet and we are warned against them and frankly, they should be put to death. For us, the situation is somewhat different since no preacher today has the kind of direct authoritative revolutions that the prophets like Moses and the apostles receive. They just don't. They don't have that. We have no Moses. We have no Elijah, Peter, Paul among us. But I tell you what, teacher, preachers today proclaim God's word, but they are teachers of the Bible. They are teachers of the scripture. A good pastor should be a teacher. For modern preachers, inspiration by the Holy Spirit is more a matter of empowerment than it is of conveyance of an oracle received directly from God. Does that make sense? Now, if you hear people out in the world on your television set telling you that they have something different than scripture, that is not sound doctrine, and that is false prophecy. The tests are of a preacher in today's world or a teacher in today's world are what kind of fruit is evident in his or her life, whether his messages agree with sound doctrine, that they are not carried away by eccentric or unbiblical emphasis, and whether he gives evidence that God is working through him. Do you ever hold your ministerial staff up and look at them through that particular, uh, that particular filter? Is there evidence in this man or woman's life that God is at work in their life? That God is working through them, through their family? Do you see it in your life? If not, those are characteristics that God states are very important to us. False prophets must be removed. False prophets are in our world and we are warned that we will be tested by them. How will we pass that test? Through here 
or through you. It's very important. A thank you to our hospitality committee for this wonderful um, uh, little gathering. It's more than cup cupcakes and coffee and uh, uh, orange juice. Thank you for taking the test this morning and filling out these surveys. It allows our uh, group to know about how uh, we can uh, more closely fellowship together. Um, there's some fun and exciting opportunities for us in the coming year to be able to fellowship together and get to experience some neat things together. I think we used to do that a little bit more back in the day than we do now. And so uh, uh, we'll be uh, gathering more frequently and uh, uh, trying to just build on the relationships of fellowship. Let's pray quickly here and we'll have a happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Enjoy your special love and uh, eat too much chocolate. Lord Jesus, thank you for your message today. Thank you for the prophets down through the ages that have uh, stood in that uh, uh, void between us and God and um, have delivered the messages that uh, were so uh, strongly needed at those particular points in time. We love you. We praise you with our uh, pastor brother Darren today, and we thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen.